0: Well, good morning, everyone. If you would, open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. Before we begin, let's bow before our Lord in prayer. Our Father, how thankful we are that you, out of your goodness and mercy to your people, have given us another opportunity to meet together with our brothers and our sisters and to worship your matchless name. Father, how we thank you, how we thank you for this opportunity, and Father, how we beg that you would send your spirit upon us this morning and not allow us to let this blessed privilege fall by the wayside, that you send your spirit upon us and enable us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Enable us to hear and believe upon Christ our Savior. Father, how thankful we are to know that you are God of heaven and earth, that you have an eternal will and purpose, and that you will accomplish it. And Father, how thankful we are that it is your will to be merciful to your people. How thankful we are that it is your will to see your people and accept your people in your Son. Father, how thankful we are. Father, we, as we pray that you would bless us this morning, we especially pray you'd bless our children's classes in this hour. Pray that you'd bless our teachers, enable them to rightly divide the word of truth. And Father, be with our young ones. How we pray mercy for their souls. How we pray, Father, that you would be pleased to use this time to plant the seeds of faith in their hearts. And Father, everywhere where your gospel is preached this morning, we pray you bless for your great namesake. Father, we continue to hold up to thee those of your people who are in times of great trouble and need, they're in heartache, sorrow, and sickness. Father, we pray that you'd be with your people, that you would provide what is necessary, what is right. We pray, especially for little Lynn this week as she faces this upcoming surgery, Father, that you'd touch, and heal her body, that you would restore her to full health quickly. But Father, all these things we ask in that name which is above every name, the name of Christ our Savior, amen. I've titled our lesson this morning, The Distinguishing Call of Grace. And I have seven points on that distinguishing call of grace, and I promise you I'll be very brief. And you'll find that if the if Lord's called you by his grace, you'll recognize that call in Matthew's experience. The first thing I see here is the Lord calls his people always through the preaching of the gospel. In Mark chapter 2, verse 13, And he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. Now here the Lord was teaching, He was teaching them because he had told his disciples, this is what I came to do. I came to preach. Let's go into these other towns and preach. That's what I came to do. And even though we don't uh, have any record of what the Lord taught them, an outline or anything that he was teaching them, I do know what he was teaching. He was teaching himself, wasn't he? He was teaching salvation by God's grace, not man's works. He was teaching salvation comes by the will of God. Not by the will of man. What he was teaching was good news to sinners. Now, one good news to the self-righteous who thought they could keep the law well enough and observe the, the the ceremonies well enough, you know, and they that that's that's their salvation. Our Lord never had good news for them, did he? But he had good news for sinners. Salvation by grace is good news for sinners. That's why sinners and publicans were constantly flocking to the Lord. Because he had good news for genuine sinners like them. The law can never give you that good news, can it? Christ came, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. He came preaching good news for sinners. Now the next verse, we'll read this in just a second. Our Lord came and he called Matthew to follow him. He called him audibly, person to person. The Lord was in, in the flesh. He called him personally, audibly. He called him. But you know, that's the same way that the Lord calls all of his people. He calls them personally, by name, individually, on purpose. Now, it's not audibly today for us like it was in Matthew in that day. The Lord calls his people today in heart language. It's the language of faith that comes from the preaching of Christ. If God's going to call a sinner, give them faith and repentance and call them to Christ, he's going to do it by doing what we're doing right now teaching God's word. That's how he calls his people. He does it through preaching, the preaching of Christ. You're not going to come to Christ unless somebody preaches him, to you, right? All right, here's the second thing. The call of grace is a distinguishing, electing, separating call. Verse 14, and as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom and said unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. Now the Lord came as he was walking by and he called Matthew specifically. Now I'm sure there were other publicans there collecting taxes along with Matthew. There were other religious people. There were other sinners, maybe harlots, whoever. There are many people there. that We know a multitude was, was all around the Lord. And the only record that we have of the Lord calling anyone, is one man, Matthew. Matthew the publican. And the Lord passed by all the other publicans, didn't he? called one. Now Matthew, here he is, sitting at the receipt of customs. That's his job, to collect taxes. He wasn't seeking the Lord. Matthew wasn't feeling horribly guilty you know, about his sin and who he was. He wasn't seeking the Lord. He wasn't seeking mercy. He wasn't seeking grace. He probably wasn't thinking anything about it. But that's God's distinguishing grace. God called him anyway. God called him anyway. Matthew, like so many of us, is a fulfillment of Isaiah 65, verse 1, where the Lord said, I am sought of them that ask not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. Now, you who believe might be thinking, well, I can... Remember the day I sought the Lord. Well, absolutely you you did. Y'all know you did. But you know why you sought the Lord? It's because he sought you first. (laughs) You found him because he found you first. That's exactly right. This call of grace is a distinguishing, electing, separating call. The Lord comes to each one of his people and calls them to himself. Well, here's the third thing. The Lord always calls the most unlikely people. Now, Matthew was a publican. A publican was a Jew who collected taxes for the Romans. And a publican was a traitor to Israel. I mean, they were despised by the Israelites. Publicans were paid by charging, a you know, they're supposed to collect taxes, but they charged a higher rate than, than was necessary and skimmed off the top. Matthew was cooking the books, buddy. I mean, he knew what he was doing. He was, he was cooking those books. He probably had two sets of books, you know, skimming off the top to, to become rich. And the Jews hated publicans so much, they considered them to be as vile as a street harlot. I mean, vile. Oh, they just, they despised them. And do you know the Romans did too? <laughs> I mean, you know, how can you, you know, the Romans they come in, you know, they conquer the area and they get somebody from from that area to collect taxes for them. They know they're cheating, but they don't really care as long as you give me what, you know, the taxes were really on. I don't care if you're cheating or not. But you can't really respect somebody who's a traitor to his own country, his own people, can you? The Romans considered them to be vile too. They just used them to collect their money because they had to have their tax money. And Matthew made a conscious choice to do this there's a lot of other jobs he could have had but he made a conscious choice to do this just like we make a conscious choice to sin but you know that's who the lord calls by his grace great sinners and when the lord saves the worst of sinners we're always shocked. now i'm not saying when the lord saved you i I was shocked. What I'm saying is when the Lord saved me, I was shocked. The most unlikely person I could think of. Of all the people I could think of that the Lord would be merciful to, I was the last one, the most undeserving. But that's who the Lord calls. And when he calls them, and we'll look at this more next week, when Lord calls a person to himself, he reveals himself to them. Now there's a change. There's a change going to take place. Can, can you remember another publican that our Lord called? Zacchaeus. The Lord called Zacchaeus down from that tree and said, "Now nah, I've got to go to your house, house today. And after they talked a little bit, Zacchaeus said, I'm giving it all back. <laughs> if i have wronged somebody, I'll give it back four or five times. Yeah. The change took place, didn't it? Now, people don't deny what they used to be. They don't deny what, what they are But they don't revel in it either. You know, we don't talk about our past sins and say, you know, oh, you know, like talk about them like those were the good old days. No, 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 no. no. We're ashamed of those things. But a believer does have a story to tell. A believer does have a story. Can you think of anybody better to go out and tell the story of God's saving grace than a great sinner? That's that's a story we have to tell. Nobody can tell about God's saving grace better than a notorious guilty sinner. That's who the Lord calls. Then number four. The Lord calls his people always at a specific time. A time that he appointed from all of eternity. Our text says that the Lord called Matthew as he passed by. Now that was no accident that the Lord passed by Matthew on this day. This was the time appointed from all of eternity that the Lord was going to reveal Himself to Matthew and call him to follow Him. He passed by that specific place on purpose to call a specific sinner to follow Him. Now that day, I mean, I would just imagine—I don't—I don't think I'm wrong about this—that. They started out like every other day for Matthew. He got up, he he washed, he brushed his teeth, he ate breakfast, he he, got ready for the day, got his two sets of books and off he went down there to the receipt of customs to collect taxes. Little did Matthew know that today was the day of salvation for him. Little did he know. But that's the way the Lord deals with all of his people. He reveals himself at a specific appointed time. Before every service that we have, this is one of my prayers, that today will be the day of salvation for someone. Today. Lord, send a revival to us and let it start today. Reveal yourself to one of your people today. Let me give you a few scriptures on this. We won't turn to them for time's sake, but you can jot them down, read them later if you want. Isaiah 49, verse 8. Thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time have I heard thee, and in a day of salvation have I helped thee. When? When did he help? In a day of salvation. Today. Luke 9, 19, verse 9. This is our Lord talking to Zacchaeus. He said, this day, is salvation come to this house for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. When does salvation come to that house? On this day. The day that the Lord is walking out of Jericho and went under that tree, Zacchaeus was up on purpose. This day, salvation has come to thy house. Second Corinthians 6, verse 2. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day. Salvation. Maybe the Lord hadn't been pleased to reveal Himself to you yet, but you just hang on. If you're His, there's a day. Today is the day of salvation. It's not past. It's not gone. God's still in the business of saving sinners, isn't he? Here's one I want you to turn to Ezekiel chapter 16. This day of salvation, this this specific time that's appointed of God where he meets his people and calls them out and reveals himself to them. This is a day of love. This is a day of love and grace. Look at Ezekiel 16 verse 6. It's talking about the the baby that was found out in in the field. In verse 6, And when I passed by thee and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee when thou wast in thy blood, live. Now that was a specific time God passed by. He said, I saw you polluted in your own blood, polluted in your own sin, dead and dying, and I said to you, live. And I have caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field, and thou hast increased and waxed and great, Thou art come to excellent ornaments; thy breast are fashioned, and thy hair is grown, whereas thou wast naked and bare. Now, when I passed by thee, and looked upon thee, behold, thy time was the time of love, and I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. Yea, I swear unto thee, and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord God, and thou becamest mine. Then I washed thee with water. Yea. I thoroughly washed away thy blood from thee and I anointed thee with oil. I clothed thee also with broidered work and shod thee with badger skin. I girded thee about with fine linen and I covered thee with silk. I decked thee also with ornaments. I put bracelets upon thy hands and a chain on thy neck. And I put a jewel on thy forehead and earrings in thine ears and a beautiful crown upon thy head. (laughs) This time is a time of love and boy, it meant some, didn't it? It meant something. The Lord takes His people, polluted in our own blood, polluted, filthy in our sin, and washes them with water, and covers them with His beauty. It says down there in verse 11, or verse 14, And thy renown went forth among the heathen for thy beauty, for it was perfect. Through my comeliness, which I had put upon thee, saith the Lord God, He makes His people beautiful by making them just like his son. Righteous and holy, dressed in the righteousness of Christ. Now that's a time of love. That's a great demonstration of God's love for his people. I don't know about you, but that's how God found me. Isn't it you? All right, here's the fifth thing. There can be no salvation without this call of the Holy Spirit. You know, Matthew Never would have come to Christ. He never would have followed Christ unless our Savior came to him and commanded him to follow him. We wouldn't either, would we? Nobody's ever going to come to Christ until God the Holy Spirit calls us to Christ. And I tell you the reason we won't come to Christ is because we have a dead sin nature. And our dead sin nature makes us think, I'm pretty good. I'm okay. We don't come to Christ because we don't see our need of him. We don't see our need of him because we're spiritually blind. Look at John chapter 6. This is what our Lord told the Pharisees. It wasn't that they didn't know what the scriptures said. It wasn't that they didn't have availability to the scriptures. It wasn't somebody wasn't telling them what the scriptures say. No, they had the scriptures. They knew it wasn't that they were immoral people. No, they were moral. Here's the reason that they would not come to Christ. Verse 44 of John 6. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him and I'll raise him up again at the last day. No man can come to Christ. That's our problem. We can't come to Christ because we've got a dead sin nature that can't do anything. We can't do anything spiritual. We don't have the ability to come to Christ. Not until the Father draws us. And the way the Father draws His people to His Son is the preaching of Christ. God the Holy Spirit comes and shows the things of Christ to them so they see. So they see. So they believe. So they come to Christ. Now you can tell if you've been drawn by the Holy Spirit or not. You know, you can tell. If the Holy Spirit calls you, you've come to Christ. You've come to Christ. You've not come to religion. You've not come to a new doctrine. You've come to a person. You've come to Christ. You cast your soul on him. You love him. You believe him. Look at verse 45. As it's written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard, and if you've learned of the Father, what do you do? Cometh unto me. That's how you can tell if the Holy Spirit's now drawing you. Now, if you're just interested in religion, if you're just interested in some new doctrine, if you're just interested in some new take on things, that's not the work of the Holy Spirit. That's just mental agreement to something that's true. Somebody really can't say this this gospel's not true. They can't say it doesn't make sense. All they can say is they don't believe it. I don't buy it. I won't have it. It makes sense. I mean, I just, it doesn't surprise me somebody hears the gospel, and so, you know, that makes sense. Maybe I'd like to hear some more of that. When the Spirit draws you, you come to Christ. and I can't explain that any better than, I mean, I know That's a, that's a very poor explanation. If you've never come to Christ, you probably don't understand. But if you've come to Christ, you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? You see, God the Father, according to this book, he elected a people to save. Before he created anything, he elected a people to save. But you know, election alone won't save anybody. Now, I'm saying that very carefully, but election alone will not accomplish salvation. God the Son came. He came in the flesh. And in the flesh, he died for the sin of his people. He died as a sacrifice for the sin of his people. And his blood completely atoned for all of that sin. Now I say this very carefully. But even the sacrifice alone won't accomplish redemption. You see, the sacrifice of Christ was offered to the Father. It wasn't offered to you and me to see if we'd accept it and you know decide to, d- decide to accept Jesus and believe on him. The sacrifice of Christ was offered to the Father and it, that sacrifice, that blood satisfied the Father. But it didn't change us, did it? No, it didn't change us. The sacrifice alone does not accomplish salvation. If you would be saved, God the Holy Spirit must apply the blood of Christ to your heart. The blood must be shed, but that blood must be applied to our hearts. The Holy Spirit must call us to Christ. He must give us life. He must give us faith in Christ so that we come to him and believe on him. You see, the salvation of a sinner requires the work of the whole Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you can't take one out. If you take one out, it's just like a tripod. You take one leg out, the whole thing falls down. Salvation requires the work of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One's not more important than the other. It takes all three. And don't ever forget this, the blood must be applied. And how does God do that? By the preaching of the gospel. By the preaching of Christ. Alright, here's the sixth thing. The call of the Holy Spirit is irresistible. Now when you read, there's three different accounts of the Lord walking by Matthew and calling Matthew to follow him. And all three of them make it, this is what it sounds like to me. The Lord passed by Matthew, he saw Matthew, and he said, Matthew, follow me. And from the way it looks, the Lord kept walking. <laughs> he didn't stop to see, well, is Matthew going to follow me? He didn't I wonder what Matthew will do. I, I better stop here and wait and see. The Lord kept walking because this is what he knew. Matthew's following him. You know why? The Lord commanded it. The Lord told him to. <laughs> now, before this, before our Lord passed by, for that very moment, all Matthew could think about was money. How can I get more of it? How can I keep what I got? How can I find a way to, you know, to twist things and and get more, even squeeze even more out of people? You know, he just like that uh, child's poem about the king in his counting house counting out his money or something. That's all Matthew could think about. But when the Lord called Matthew. That immediately changed. Immediately. You know, I find it very interesting. The Lord's got his 12 disciples and they got a treasurer. Don't you find it interesting Matthew wasn't the treasurer? I mean, here's the man, this is kind of his skill, you know. Everything changed. He wasn't trying to be the treasurer. Everything changed with Matthew. The Lord didn't come by Matthew and say, Matthew, follow me? And Matthew say, well, no, okay, I will. I will, but wait, wait, wait just a minute. Let me finish up this business first. I got this transaction going and I can get this money together and, and that'll help us later. Yeah. Matthew didn't do that. Matthew didn't say, let me turn these books over to somebody else and train them how to do it and, and then I'll follow you. He didn't say, no, you know, Lord, I, you know, I want to follow you, but I got a, I got a job. I gotta make a living. I gotta live in this earth. You know, just wait, wait just a minute. And when it's a little better time, then I'll follow you. No, sir. Matthew immediately followed Christ. He could not follow Christ, could he? Because when the Lord told Matthew, follow me, you know what Matthew wanted to do? He wanted to follow Christ. See, when the Lord saves his people, when he causes them to be born again, he gives them a new want to. Now Matthew wanted to follow Christ. And that's just like the other disciples. It's just like everyone that the Lord calls. When the Lord calls somebody, they follow him. Remember, back in chapter one, we read about the Lord calling those first four of his disciples. These men are fishermen. I mean, they're commercial fishermen. They're living paycheck to paycheck. And all they ever thought about was fishing. I've got to get go out there and get this net full of fish. So I've got something to feed my family. I got to, I got to pay for stuff. The only way I'm going to do that is catching these fish. All they thought about was fishing. And when they were done fishing, they, they mended their nets, get ready for the next day. I mean, it was just a absolutely consuming full-time job. And here they were cleaning their nets one day and the Lord passed by and said, follow me. Now, what was their response? Remember, look back here in chapter 1 of Mark, verse 16. Now, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I'll make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship, mending their nets. And straightway he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants, and they went after him. (laughs) See, they immediately, they left their nets, they left their livelihood, they left their family, and they followed Christ. Suddenly, Christ was more important than making a living. Suddenly Christ was more important than the other things of this life. And you know why. when when did that happen? When the Lord said, follow me. And the same thing will happen for you and me if the Lord ever calls us. Now look over at Luke chapter 5. Luke 5. Matthew followed Christ. And I'm telling you, he never looked back. Matthew 5 verse 27. And after these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, follow me. And he left all, rose up and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house. And there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with him. Now, if God, the Holy Spirit calls you, you're going to leave all. You'll leave all. And you'll follow Christ. You're going to identify with Christ. Now, more than likely, you're not going to have to quit your job. More than likely, you're not going to have to, you know, give up everything that you own, and, you know, materially in the world and go into the ministry and, you know. But I tell you what, you're going to have to leave. I mean, and leave all. Everything you used to trust in before. You're going to have to leave it. All your good works, you're going to have to leave it all your morality, all the things that that, uh, that make your friends so impressed with you, you're going to have to leave it and follow Christ and cling to him and him alone. <laughs> all right, here's the seventh thing. This call of grace is a life-changing call. We just read there in Luke 5, verse 29, that Levi made him a great feast in his own house, and there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. The Lord called Matthew to follow him and that gave Matthew the faith to follow Christ. He trusted his soul to Christ and he was a changed man. Now Matthew knew the Lord. He wanted other people to know the Lord too, didn't he? So he had a dinner party and he invited all of his public and friends. He wanted them to come meet the Lord, to hear from the Lord. All those old cronies, you know, those old sinners. He he called them, come to my house I want you to meet this man. I want you to hear from him. When Lord calls his people, they're going to be changed. The change is going to take place. They're going to be far from perfect. Don't get me wrong. They're going to be far from perfect. They're not going to sin less than they used to. They're going to be far from perfect. But I'm telling you, there's going to be a change. There has to be because there's a new sheriff in town. There has to be a change. Christ rules in the heart. Let me show you that first Corinthians chapter four. There has to be a change if Christ rules in the heart. It just it's obvious. First Corinthians four verse seven. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hast not received it? Now, I don't have any question. The Lord's made you different. But who made you different? Huh? The Lord did. So we're not going to boast in it. We're not going to brag in it. The Lord makes his people different. Look at First Corinthians 6, verse 9. Or verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you're washed, but you're sanctified, but you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. Such were some of you, but you don't walk in that anymore, do you? No, you're different because God's put His Spirit into you. When God calls somebody, there's going to be a change. Now, that's Matthew. That's the Lord calling Matthew a distinguishing call of grace. That's Matthew. I want to apply this to all of us here this morning. Now, we just looked at the, here's how God saves sinners. Here's how God calls sinners to himself. Here's how God gives life and faith to dead sinners. He does it by his power, by his will to the worst, to the most unlikely, doesn't he? Salvation is of the Lord. It's all of God from beginning to ending. It's all of him. The Lord chooses, he does the choosing, he does the calling, he does the redeeming, he does the sanctifying, he's the one that does the birthing and the new birth, and he's the one that does the keeping. The Lord does everything. And he does it for the worst sinners. The most unlikely, doesn't he? Now I tell you what that means to you and me here today. There is not a single reason, not a single reason that one person here should despair of salvation. Instead, that distinguishing call of grace where God does it all should make every last one of us run to Christ and beg for mercy. If the Lord has mercy on the worst, I tell you what, that leaves room for me because I'm the worst. If the Lord has mercy on whom he will, not because they did something good, not because they did something to deserve it, but because just because he would, then that leaves room for me. Maybe he'd be merciful to me. And I tell you, there's one way to find out. <laughs> Go begging for it. Go begging for it. There's not one reason for any of us to despair of mercy if we just go beg Christ for it. All right, I hope the Lord bless that to you.